1: This is the Daily Blast from the New Republic, produced and presented by the DSR Network. I'm your host, Greg Sargent. Is there a pro-Putin wing of the Republican Party? How badly split is the GOP over continuing U.S. military aid to Ukraine? These questions arise because on Tuesday, in a decisive 70-29 vote, the Senate passed a mammoth supplemental containing $60 billion dollars For Ukraine's self defense against Russian aggression, as well as $14 billion for Israel. House Speaker Mike Johnson is vowing that the House won't vote on the measure, in part because MAGA hardliners who want to end aid to Ukraine are threatening Armageddon if he does. Democrats and some House Republicans who support Ukraine aid are trying to find a way around that opposition. Today we're joined by Democratic Congressman Jason Crow of Colorado, who has been in the middle of these debates. And will help us make sense of what's happened to the House GOP and what the way forward is from here. Welcome, Congressman.
2: Good to be with you, Greg. Thanks for having me.
1: First, let's talk about the bill that just passed the Senate. What's in the bill for Ukraine? How essential is this aid for Ukraine right now, and why is it so important that it pass?
2: Greg, this this bill couldn't be more important for Americans and for US national security. I just returned from my third trip to Ukraine in the last three years. It was a bipartisan congressional delegation, three Republicans, two Democrats. Uh, We heard directly from U.S. intelligence and uh, military and diplomatic leaders, uh, both before the trip and and during the trip. Uh, We heard from Ukrainian intelligence and military leaders and of course met with President Zelensky as well. And and what we learned and and what was very clear uh, is that the Ukrainians are doing incredible fighting uh, that they can do this. They, they can fight and win this uh, and preserve democracy, not just in Ukraine, but throughout Europe. But they need our help and they need it now, right? Uh, they're starting to run very low on critical munitions, supplies, uh, and we just can't waste another day here. So what this supplemental will do, you know, what 60 billion or so f- uh, for Ukraine, what this will do is provide that needed boost the critical weapons and equipment and supplies that ukrainians need to do the fighting on their own themselves you know no, no americans have to do this of course uh, but we just have to get the, that that uh, aid to them and then one thing greg i'm going to mention that's really important here that i always point out is the way in which we are doing this aid is actually in our own national security military readiness interest because over half that money actually goes to, to us businesses and us workers to build these these supplies and this equipment That brand new stuff then goes to our U.S. military that keeps it, and then our U.S. military sends our older, outdated, expiring stuff to Ukraine. So we're actually updating our own military readiness and supplies in the process and uh, infusing and supporting American workers.
1: I want to ask you about that meeting in Ukraine. I think some of the House Republican chairmen were there, right? Uh, They were the ones who actually support continuing aid to, to Ukraine, you and them met with President Zelensky, right? I understand that those Republicans assured Zelensky that they understood the need to pass a robust aid package. Is that right? What happened at that meeting? What did Republicans say?
2: Yeah, that is What right. was their reaction? Yeah, that, that is right. I mean, the, the, the three colleagues of mine who went, um, you know, Mike Turner, who's the chairman of the Intelligence Committee, you know, French Hill, a senior member of the Intelligence Committee and Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, and uh, uh, freshman Zach Nunn uh, from Iowa, uh, these are folks who are well on the record of saying that they support Ukraine. They support Ukraine because they know it's actually in America's national interest to do so. That This is not charity. Like they often say, and I couldn't agree with them more, this is not a charity bill. That's why I often don't use the word aid, because I think that gives people the impression that this is charity. What this actually is, is a U.S. national security bill. Uh, and it supports American workers and American troops in the process.
1: Can I ask what they what they came away from the meeting feeling and thinking? Um, did they assure President Zelensky that that Republicans understand the need to to do this? Did were they were they persuaded the way you you are by what he said in that meeting?
2: Yeah, well, what my Republican colleagues relayed to President Zelensky was that uh, it's not for lack of support. None of this is for lack of support. If, if a vote were held today in the House of Representatives the vast majority of members would vote for it, probably over 300, actually. Uh, So the the issue is not the lack of support. It's frankly, the procedural challenges and the lack of support by the Republican leadership, which is being held hostage by the mega extreme wing of of the Trump Republican Party. You know, a couple of dozen folks are holding this entire process hostage, uh, and and that's preventing something that frankly has a large amount of support within the House of Representatives, as we saw from the Senate vote, you know, a 70 a seventy vote um, pro vote for Ukraine in the United States Senate. You know, it's not often you get something like this that has 70 votes in the U.S. Senate. It just shows the extent of the, the support that this has in Congress.
1: Yeah. And so they they told the Republicans in the meeting, told President Zelensky that this thing would pass the House overwhelmingly and the only real thing that's standing in the way is Trump and MAGA Republicans who don't want it to get a vote. Is that right?
2: Yeah, well, the 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 Trump and the MAGA Republican thing, that that's me. That's my, that's my. Uh, that's not
1: right. That's not their words. But it's
2: not their words. No, that, that's, you know, me actually filling in the blanks here. <laughs> but but that, that's
1: what the message was really conveyed, that that's the problem. Yeah. But the, that's the obstacle, right? Yeah, the
2: issue is not the level of support. It's getting the vote.
1: So what's going on with the House Republican caucus right now? As you say, some of these chairs of national security committees recognize the importance of doing this. But on the other side, you have people like Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene and all her friends threatening to hold a motion to vacate, uh, ousting Johnson if he gets behind Ukraine aid. How big is this MAGA opposition to Ukraine aid? Who are we talking about here? What is this faction?
2: yeah. 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 So this group, you know, the, the so-called Freedom Caucus and, and, and some of the, the mega extreme Republicans, you know, there's a couple of dozen of them uh, who uh, are, are doing this for a variety of reasons, right? It's not a total monolith. Uh, some of them are actually pro-Putin folks, right? That actually much rather see Putin uh, win this war than the Ukrainians. But, you know, largely what I think is it's people who don't know what the hell they're talking about, Actually, don't these are not national security professionals, these are not informed people. Like, if you ask them right now what's going on in the forward line of troops in Ukraine, if you ask them right now, you know, how many troops are stationed, U.S. troops are stationed in Europe, they couldn't give you the answer to either of those. Right? These are folks who actually are just responding to the perverse incentives in Congress, uh, to get more, uh, you know, uh, uh, retweets, to get a more traction on social media, and to get on Fox News, frankly. Uh, and they're just trying to get you know, that attention. Uh, so there's a variety of motivations by these folks.
1: Yeah, let's talk about the ones that are kind of overtly pro-Putin. It's a little hard to pin down what where this is all coming from, right? Clearly, they, MAGA Republicans often hide behind the argument that they simply oppose sending more spend, sending more money to foreign wars. You know, they, they hate the warmongering establishment and so forth. But these people aren't anti-war isona- isolationists, are they? I mean, They seem to actively want a Russian victory. Is is, is that too harsh, or is there a genuine caucus or faction in the House Republican Conference that wants that? And why? What's driving them?
2: Well, first, Greg, I I don't spend a lot of my spare time inside the minds of these folks because it's a pretty dark and disturbing place to be. And it's just not fun for me to try to get inside of their minds often. Right. Uh, uh, But secondly, um, frankly, you also imply, when you use phrases like you know, anti-war isolationist, uh, you imply that these folks actually have a well-refined ideology, and they don't. right? They're not really that informed in most cases, they have, they're not really um, doing things that are consistent with an ideology in many cases. They simply want to get the support of Donald Trump, they simply want to throw red meat to their base uh, and to get more attention on social media in many cases. Uh, and, and they simply just want to raise money. Frank, uh, frankly, this is for these folks uh, a money-raising a proposition for them uh, on the campaign side of things. So uh, that's uh, um, uh, the simple fact of it. You know, uh, sometimes the simplest explanation is the right one, and I think that's what's driving a lot of this. To be honest with you,
1: yeah, I mean, if you look at Trump, right? There's a link between uh, Donald Trump op- openly declaring that he'll abandon NATO countries. Uh, there's a link between that and some of these pro-Trump Republicans in the House and maybe to some degree in the Senate standing in the way of Ukraine aid, right? I mean, Ann Applebaum has a new piece arguing that if we don't come through with aid that sends a message to millions and millions of people in Europe that we can no longer be trusted as allies. I got to think for, for Trump and his friends his, and, and his friends in the House, that would be a feature, not a bug of aid ending. You no, know? I mean, I think it's a real world view and ideology we're working with here.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, one of the the other things I try to illustrate is that this is not by any stretch just about Ukraine. And I I try to make that point a lot. You know, th- this is about what the world is going to look like over the next decade, right? And let's 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 kind of flesh out this scenario that if we're not able to go the distance here and, and pass this supplemental this American national security supplemental and help Ukraine uh, fight their their war and win it, what happens? Right? Well, what happens is 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 the Russians then sweep through and ultimately eventually win this war. Uh, You see a collapse of the Ukrainian economy. You see a collapse uh, of food production and food supply and a drastic increase in food prices, as well as famine in some very vulnerable places of the world. You see a massive influx of probably millions of refugees flooding throughout Europe that then destabilizes their economy and their politics. You see all the NATO countries who are doing joint national security operations with the United States around the world, then pulling back, their own forces to bolster their own flanks and their own borders in Europe and to deal with their own instability, which then uh, makes us more vulnerable because we don't have partners and forces operating with us. Then you see people like uh, Xi uh, in China that know that they can just uh, go after Taiwan and do whatever they want to do and no one's going to stop them. And probably a dozen other autocrats and dictators who are right on the verge of doing the same thing to their neighbors, but want to see whether or not America can go the distance or not. And if we can't, then then they'll, of course, follow suit. That is what the world looks like. Uh, and that's not a world that, of course, we want to live in.
1: Yeah, I think I think part of what you described there is, is a world Trump wants. Um, I think something really deeply disturbing is going on with at least some of these Republicans, too. They 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 see I mean, you talked about this kind of axis of autocrats, right? Some of these Republicans see Hungary's Viktor Orban and maybe Putin as well as a kind of model for a type of strongman nationalist rule that in their minds defends, quote unquote, Western civilization against migration, wokeness, et cetera. That seems to me to be animating some of them anyway. I, I find that deeply disturbing.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, I think you're right on that. and That's certainly a, a part of this strand of thinking and support, and it's extremely disturbing.
1: So let's talk about House Republicans and the way forward for Democrats right now. Um, House Republicans are talking about maybe holding separate votes on Ukraine and Israel aid so they can maybe rely on Dems to pass the Ukraine money while MAGA goes off and does whatever it wants. Um, what's your sense of where this is going? I mean, is, do you think that they're going to break it up? I mean, what's, what's the Democratic reading on the situation?
2: Yeah. So, uh, Leader Jeffries put out a, a, a dear colleague today that kind of outlined uh, his thinking and his approach based on his conversations with the caucus, with with me, and, and many of us who have been leading on this issue over the course of the last couple of weeks. Uh, and what uh, we're, we're going to try to do is uh, do a national security package that's Ukraine and and Taiwan and Israel uh, because we understand what, what Democrats understand. Uh, is that the world is a complicated and interconnected place, uh, that you just can't do one thing uh, without it having uh, effects everywhere. So we want a comprehensive approach. That's the best value proposition for the American taxpayer, as well as the best way to actually address this issue uh, in substance from a national security standpoint. So looking at that package uh, and looking at all the available tools. So of course, one of the, the best tools that we might have at our disposal if Speaker Johnson continues to want to delay and, and stop this, which it looks like he he will, uh, is the discharge petition, which will require us to get some Republican support uh, to move this forward.
1: Right. Discharge petition is a mechanism by which a measure can get a House vote in defiance of leadership if a majority of House members is on board. And there's currently a vehicle that could function as that for Ukraine aid and I guess the whole supplemental package right now. Is are Democrats going to start highlighting this publicly? There's a tension here, right? On the one hand, Dems seem to be having conversation with some House Republicans on the theory that keeping talks private is the way to get a few on board. But at what point did Dems start applying the public pressure saying, hey, Republicans, all it takes is a few of you to show courage and join us and we can do this now.
2: W- what's next? I think the point is now, actually. I think you're seeing that, that public pressure campaign. I mean, listen, we just We just did the House Democratic presser uh, today with uh, with Leader Jeffries and and National Security Democrats, and uh, uh, the pressure couldn't be more clear, right? That uh, we can't wait, right? Uh, This is every passing day is not free. It comes at substantial cost uh, to the Ukrainians, to American national security, to our reputation, uh, to uh, all of our allies and partners, uh, and we got to get it done. So we're certainly not uh, shy about putting some pressure on folks uh, because, uh, you know, frankly, listen, they're they're getting pressure from Donald Trump and the mega wing too, right? So we have to be really clear about what's going on here and and what the consequences of failure are. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this is going to take some political courage, right? You know, it's easy to vote in line with your party and agree with people. What's really hard in this business and, and in politics is when you go against your own tribe, against your own people, Uh, But frankly, that's when big things happen. And that's the historic moments when you're actually to do the right thing that you know is the right thing, uh, regardless of what uh, maybe the the pressure you're getting from, uh, you know, inside your own caucus.
1: So maybe you lose a few House Democrats or a number on the discharge due to the aid to Israel. Uh, So how many House Republicans do you need to join this discharge? And is there any chance that that happens?
2: Yeah, I I don't. I mean, I haven't done the whip count. I'm not sitting there counting the the votes right now. You know, the question, it might be some number. Uh, Right now, we actually need Republicans, even if we had every Democrat in this bill. uh, That's not enough to get a discharge petition forward. So we need at least some Republicans to do that. And then, you know, if there are some Democratic losses, of course, we'll need to offset those with some Republicans. But listen, I'm somebody who, who, you know, does believe in supporting Israel, but also believes that, That means, in my view, uh, is having the really tough and frank conversations about the nature of their offensive and how uh, the current offensive that they've been embarking on is counterproductive to their own interests. And it is, in my opinion, making the problem worse for themselves by making a two-state solution out of reach, uh, by uh, furthering extremism uh, and anti-Israel sentiment, not just in Gaza, but in other places around the world. This isn't my opinion. It's just what's happening. It's what the data show. Uh, and, and that they have to basically stop their current operation uh, as it's been happening and pursue a very different military operation against Hamas that prioritizes the protection of civilians and the rights and dignity of the Palestinians uh, and puts a two-state solution uh, back into play. So that's my, that's my view. Uh, and, and actually, in furtherance of that view, we need a massive amount of humanitarian aid for the Palestinians, which is an essential part of this national security bill
1: yeah I mean, just to wrap this up, I would think Mike Johnson has seen plenty of intelligence that is not public that lays out the scenarios you're talking about over the long term if this aid is not provided. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I know that to be true that he you know he has sat in briefings that I've sat in uh, and and um it's not for lack of information. I can tell you that. like like most of my colleagues, uh, they have access to the information if they avail themselves to it which I know many of them have, it's just a matter of of political courage, right? And and listen, I'm not asking folks to storm the beaches of Normandy and to give their lives up for for our our country like Americans have in the past. I'm asking them to actually take a tough vote. It shouldn't be that much to ask.
1: Congressman Jason Crow, thanks so much for coming on with us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Folks, make sure to read a couple pieces up at tnr.com right now. One is called Earth to Media, Try to Get It, Nice Ordinary People Can Be Fascists by Bryn Tannehill, which gets into the toxicity of MAGA ideology, and The Wretched Inequality Crushing America's Workers, which is Timothy Noah's look at the persistence of racial and gender inequality. We'll see you all tomorrow. You've been listening to The Daily Blast with me, your host, Greg Sargent. The Daily Blast is a New Republic podcast and is produced by Riley Fessler and the DSR Network.